Welcome to the Good and Basic Podcast, a long-form conversation between Joseph Bjork and this time Linda Bjork, my mom. My mom is an incredibly impressive person. You have not only raised five children, not only homeschooled five children, not only battled with depression and gotten yourself healthy and whole, but also turned that energy into helping and wanting to help other people. And so I'd like to talk about um, your struggle with depression, if that's all right. Absolutely. I'd like to talk about uh, the relationship between service and feeling better. I want to talk about kind of the stoic virtues of getting up and doing it anyway, um, talking about whether or not that's enough, and just talk about your experience, if that's all right. Well, let's start at the beginning then. Okay, for a period of about five years, I struggled with just debilitating depression. And during much of that time, you were actually either in another state or another country, and you didn't witness a lot of that firsthand. You might not even have been aware that it was going on until afterwards. I did get a letter, which which scared me at the time. Okay. Um, In this letter, you you mentioned that you were actually struggling with suicidal thoughts at the time. A lot. That was that was a, a constant challenge and there are some some reasons to that and I will explain that a little bit later so depression has um, anyway so I'm in this place I'm in this dark dark place and it was very much like being dropped into a dark hole and when you're down in there it's like light happiness hope none of it can reach you it's too far down and when you look around in this dark hole there are no windows there are no doors and it feels for all the world like there is no way out. I, I can't get out of this. This is my new reality. This is as good as it's going to get. And from now on, the best I can hope for is to endure through each day. And it is not an enjoyable place to be. And then my sister, Suzanne, she is trained as a mentor and life coach. And she offered me the hope that there was something that I could do to become happy again. And I thought, really? I'm not sure that I believe you, but I'm kind of desperate. I'll give it a try. (laughs) And it was like she lowered a ladder down into my deep, dark hole and said, you can climb out. And climbing out changed everything. I was able to be myself again. I was able to be happy again. And that that experience was the catalyst for starting my nonprofit, which is called Hope for Healing, that I've experienced this from the inside, and I know that there is a way out. And I want to offer ladders down people's dark holes, as many people as will listen to me. (laughs) There is a way out. Come. Come enjoy the sunlight. Come enjoy the sunshine. Yeah. So is it okay? I would like to explain a little bit about depression in that a lot of people think, you know, it's just in your head. You know, to which all, your response all, just all before you need to was, do was yes, well, everything is. is in your head. Yeah, it's in your head. Your thoughts are in your head. Um, and some people are like, you know, if I just say the right magic words, all of a sudden they'll snap out of it, you know? And it doesn't work that way. It's not just emotional. It's not just mental. It is a whole integrated system. And so to explain a little bit about how that works is in our brains, we have that awesome reward center. And when we have those neurotransmitters of dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin and endorphins, endorphins, when they go through that um, reward center, you feel good. And so that good feeling comes from a chemical reaction. But our bodies are systems of balance. And where there's one system that increases, there's another system that represses. We have another system in our brain called the nociception uh, modulatory system. And it's part of how the brain modulates pain. That's its purpose. And it has... So you're literally numbing out. Oh, literally. And there it produces chemicals called nociceptin. 
Nociceptin neutralizes dopamine. Really? It's like kryptonite. It shuts it off and it kills motivation. And so you can be in an experience where you uh, you should be happy, like you're at a party, you're at a park, you're at a playground, you see a sunset, you hear kids laughing. But those feelings that are good feelings that normally come, they don't come. There is no feeling of joy. And it is, it's scary. Yeah. It, and it's it's awful. It's awful to not be able to experience joy. I, I'd like to pause there for just a second and talk Absolutely. about that. Is it all in your head? Because what you're describing is a very physical thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 two different systems, and you're literally chemically numbed out to the point yes. where you cannot feel what's yes, going on. Yes, it is true. And it is in your head. But yeah, I yeah, think... yeah. My brain is in my head. Yeah, your brain is in your head. <laughs> All these processes are going on in my head, but that doesn't mean that I'm making it up. And it also doesn't mean that you control it. Uh, no. Or at least not not directly. I mean, you can control other no. things that will influence those systems. Yes, and I would love to talk about that in a few yeah. minutes if that's okay. But But... I think that when someone says it's all in your head, what they're expecting you to do is to just choose out instantly. Right, right. And that is not realistic. It does not. That that perception and understanding of the problem doesn't match the reality of what's actually going on. I think I think there's something really powerful there because our perceptions of stuff, like uh, your reactions to things, are, are real experiences. Oh, yes, And they are. you don't control them. You experience them. And I, I think that's something that sometimes we, I mean, that, that experience is real. I mean, it is in your head, and it's also real, and it's also something you don't directly control, but you indirectly influence. Oh, yes, and like I would love a, to talk about that more, too. Yeah. Like so many things that match exactly the kinds of things that you're talking about. So in order to get out of depression and, and anxiety, uh, low, self, low self-worth, the feeling of failure, that mentality. That general sense of doom. All of those kinds of things have a similar process to be able to heal from those. And it is a two-part thing. You have to be able to change the chemistry of the brain. Okay. And the, and the body, brain, the body, they can And combine. sometimes that's, you know, prescribed medication and sometimes that's... Absolutely. Retraining the system so that they're getting into balance and producing the stuff You're they're right. supposed to. You're right. Absolutely. And another thing that we Someone's have to be able to do... Someone's been listening to your do... podcast. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Um, and, and incidentally, it's called Linda's Corner. And my mom has just barely been starting getting this podcast up. And your production quality is actually very high. Oh, um, very, you. very high. And yeah, I, I can tell that you've put a ton of research. That's one of your defining gifts is that if you decide you want to learn about something, it's not a halfway effort. You will go in as far as you possibly can to figure out how this thing works so that you can understand it to, to move forward. And to do it well. And, and to, to brag just for a second, um, <laughs> an example of this is my mom actually wrote the entire math curriculum for a high school. So there was something wrong with the curriculum. You were disappointed with it kind of as an outsider. And so you fixed it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And an insider, because as a teacher, I had a chance to experience yeah. what they were teacher doing. Teacher and a parent at the and same time. And to be able to say, mm, we can fix this. Anyway, <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate that very much. So as you're saying, I want to know why, and I want to know why. And I knew what, what I did to, to heal, but I also want to understand why it worked. Principles, so right, that you can right, understand right, right. it. Because I want to be able to duplicate it. Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't want it to be, oh, I was so lucky. I was able to get out of this disaster. I want it to be, what what did I learn? And what is true? what are true principles from this experience that will work for anyone? Yeah. Because that's get a really big deal. Get to the foundations deal. of what, it, what are the moving parts? How, how, how do we replicate it? Exactly. Yeah. 
Okay, so back to that. There are two things that we need to do to be able to overcome these mental and emotional issues. First is we have to be able to change the chemistry of the brain and the body. And the second is that we have to be able to um, manipulate and change the focus of a particular system in the brain called the reticular activating system. Okay, so you're not numbing out. So increasing the happy and decreasing the numb out. Um, right? It's different than numb out. Okay. It's actually a bit of focus. So that the, the chemical change, and I'll talk about... Well, let's talk about chemical change first. So I kind of explained what the, the process of numbing out, that that's a very sure. physiological thing. And, and I got that confused with the reticular activating system. That's okay. We'll get to that in a minute. And then the the, the important part of that is it's it's real, you're validated, the feelings you're having, they're, they're all, I mean, it's all valid. We have to change that chemistry. And that is why professional help and medication is so helpful in cases of depression and anxiety and those kinds of things because it's direct, directly manipulating that chemical balance. However, there are also things that we can do that change the chemistry in our bodies and our brains. And that is so exciting. It is so fascinating. It's empowering. There is an entire field of science called epigenetics, which literally means on top of genetics. And it is a whole field of research on what can my actions, my thoughts, my interpretations of the world, how can that affect me physically, mentally, and emotionally? And the research shows so much evidence that we have a tremendous influence on the way that we think and the way that we feel and our mental and emotional health. We can have a tremendous ability to work with that. Now, for example, a specific little trick that you can do if you want to boost your uh, your confidence and mood. If you stand up. Straight with your shoulders back. Yep, stand up straight and tall, weight even on both legs. And then if you um, put your hands either in fists here or relax them, put your shoulders back, your chin up slightly, and then you just smile and you hold it. You hold it for between one and two minutes. And this is cognitive dissonance. You, you want your brain to disagree with what you're doing and then say, well, we're doing it, so I better get in line. Yeah, maybe so. I haven't of thought that. of it in the line of cognitive dissonance, but there are specific reasons why it works. Yeah. So on a chemical level, and this is this is so cool. I don't know if you knew, probably you did because you're super smart, but Charles Darwin kind. was actually the first person who made the hypothesis that there is a connection between our body language and our emotions that goes both ways. So we smile when we feel good, but we also feel, feel good, good when, we, when smile. we smile. I've tried that experiment. It's actually kind of creepy. Uh, it can. You have to hold it for a while. It's not just yeah, a whatever. You have to grin like a maniac for about a minute. But when you do, you'll find yourself laughing. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. No, no. Yeah, I guess well, you could be. Yeah. And then when you pull your shoulders back and stand up straight and tall, put your chin up, it sends signals to the brain. So when you, you smile, it sends signals to the brain to increase the levels of those feel-good neurotransmitters like the dopamine. And then when you stand up straight and tall and put your chin up, it signals the brain, okay, increase the testosterone just a teeny bit. Decrease the levels of cortisol just a little bit. And so that combination of things helps you to feel happier, a little bit more confident. Okay, reducing cortisol is something that could really reduces use. reduces the level of stress yeah. hormones that are, cor you know, that are coursing through your body. Sure. And so doing those things and just holding it long enough for those systems to start kick in will help you feel a little bit better. And the results are not going to be forever. It will be, you know, short term. So healing from anything, when we talk about doing an action, it's not just do it once, like flip on a light switch. Oh, I stood still for 90 seconds and I'm cured. But but it's <laughs> tiny, consistent steps. And by continuing those, then the, the chemical levels are not just spiking, then they will alter that and is, heal the way that they're supposed to be. Uh, well, even I'm imagining sitting in the pit that you're describing yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and getting just the tiniest glimmer of improvement. 
oh, proves yeah. that it can. And and, and maybe so maybe it's helpful. not perfectly. Maybe maybe your chemical issues are, are bad enough or genetic enough that you know mm -hmm. you can never get fully out. But up is good, even mm -hmm. if it's not all the way to the top of the pit. Absolutely. Even if you can poke your little head out like a little, those little gophers. What are those little things that poke up? Uh, prairie dogs. Prairie dogs. That's yes. what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah perfect. This uh, seeing that little bit of light, but it can also be discouraging when you pop back down. It's like, dang it, that was temporary. <laughs> so, so changing the chemistry of our body is a matter of small, consistent steps. Okay. And then there's another thing that we have to change, and that is the RES, that uh, it's the reticular activating system. It is a, a little bundle of neurons right here in the top of the brain or in the brainstem. This is the, the reptilian hindbrain that yeah, they sometimes yeah, yeah. refer to, the brainstem, super Basic primitive stem. stuff back there. And it has a super important job to do because all of the sensory information that comes in, that's the gateway into the brain. So it comes first through the reticular activating system and it decides where it goes. Okay. And it also acts as a filter, which is super important because on average, they estimate that we receive about 11 million bits of information per second. Okay. But we're only consciously aware of about 40 bits of information per second. So when I say that the RAS is a filter, it's not like taking a little bit and filtering it just out, a little, you know, trimming the edges, it's like taking 11 million down to 40. So almost everything is weeded out as being, that's safe to ignore. You can ignore that, you'll be fine. This is the important stuff. Okay, so super, super important. And if your RAS is not working properly, if it's a little bit uh, allowing too much information, like in autism, ADD, and ADHD, then you have sensory overload. And you also have... A, and then you a, can't... You can't focus. You can't, you can't, can't concentrate. Like, you can't... Yeah. This, this is your ability to distinguish between what is relevant <clears throat> and important and, and going to... Uh, speaking from the reptilian hindbrain, I assume going to kill you. Like, exactly, exactly. We're the things that you consider relevant. You. Right, right, right. And what's important? Excellent. So this this system, it's normal, it's natural, it's perfect, it's super, super important. Uh, the next question is, or at least should be, how does it decide? Yeah. I mean, it's it's and is narrowing it, it down. Correctly? Yeah. Is it and usually the answer is no. It's not working <laughs> as well as you hope it is. So do you train it? You gotta train it. So as it's working and it's it's narrowing things down, it does it on programs that are automatic. We created them without ever being aware of it, and it's done usually as we're kids. And so it's if on you pay attention to something, you're training the brain level. to say, oh, that was important. Exactly. So we have this subconscious programming, and we also have the ability to direct it a little bit by what we focus on. So that's why, you know, say you're thinking about starting a family, and all of a sudden you start noticing expectant mothers everywhere. It's like, where did they all come from? Or, or like... Um, you buy a car. Yeah, my daughter Sarah. She bought a car, your sister. And she got a PT Cruiser. And it's like, I had never even hardly seen one before. They're but after she got one, and it's now seeing a PT Cruiser might mean that I get to see Sarah. It's like, I saw them everywhere. It's like, where did all these cars come from? And the truth is, those cars or those expectant mothers, they were there all along. But my brain said, oh, that's not important. That's totally safe to ignore. Yeah. But now that I'm focusing on it, all of a sudden it says, oh, that must be important. I'll, I'll point those out for you. There's one here, 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 here. There's another one, the, the cocktail effect, that you are constantly listening for your own name. So even if it's across a, a, a crowded room with lots of voices, you'll be able to pick out your name instantly without having been aware that you were listening for it. Interesting. That That's one of those things that just the RAS says, that's important because it's about you specifically. Yeah. 
And totally. so you zoom in on that, and, and you weren't aware that you were, like, hunting for that, but I guess some part of you was. <laughs> I don't know if I was hunting, but my, my little dee 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 Yeah, dee. <laughs> the, the radar. Yeah. yeah, it's picking it up. Okay, so this normal, natural, awesome process of the brain that helps us to be able to focus, it helps us to be able to function, it helps us to be able to be safe. I'm imagining how it could go wrong. But it causes huge problems when you're dealing with mental and emotional issues. Okay. Because the recurring thoughts, if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, low self-worth, failure mentality. Any evidence that you are subpar or a terrible person or exactly. not good enough or can't improve your status in life. Right. Or so the thoughts going through a person's mind are, my life is miserable. Nothing is going right. Nobody likes me. I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. I'll never be happy again. I'll never be happy again. All these things. And that's recurring, recurring, and recurring. So the RES says, oh, this is what must be important. Okay. Okay. Good to know. And so it starts picking out everything that could possibly exactly. be Exactly. So everything you did today that, that you failed or could be perceived as a failure. Oh, you did this and this and this and this and this. Oh, and so-and-so doesn't like you. No, 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 no. And look at all these reasons you have to be miserable. La, 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 la. And, and this is what's relevant. All the other stuff that is out there, you can't see. It's blocked out, completely blocked out. So what this does is it continues to add evidence that what you're believing, what you're, is true. Like, see, my life is miserable because of ABC. See, I am a failure because of XYZ. And it just adds evidence and it makes it progressively worse. In, uh, in, in, in logic slash it's a huge problem in science, there's this thing called um, confirmation bias, which is where if you have a theory, um, your, your brain will instantly, I guess it's possibly connected to the system, will start looking only for evidence that confirms and not for evidence oh, that denies. Yeah. And so one of the, the single biggest and most important skills to develop in science is the ability to flip that on its head and say, if I have a theory, the only evidence I should really care about is the evidence that could disprove my theory. Mm. And so there's this f- fantastic... Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're looking for the the, the exception. So if you, you give someone... Um, there's a, a really fun game that you can play with someone and say, I, I have a rule that will generate these three numbers. And the a sequence of three numbers has to follow this rule. And so my, my rule is... The sequence of numbers is two, four, eight. I'm not going to tell you what the rule is. You have to guess by giving me another sequence of numbers that you think is going to match my rule, and I'll tell you if it does or it doesn't. Okay, so I would guess 16, 32. 16, 32, and then a, a third one? Wow. What did I say? 16, 32, then 64? That does follow my rule. And then do you want to tell me what the rule is? Well, it just doubles each time. It doubles? That is not the rule. Oh... Okay. Are you doing exponents? Doing uh-uh. something? Uh-uh. Oh, so that's harsh. It is. Okay, and so, so you explain. keep throwing things at it. It turns out it's just three numbers in ascending order. And so you identified a, a, a rule that would match that, and then you will so propose only five, numbers. So if I seven, you would have said, yeah, that works. Yeah, that works. Wow. And so okay, you, that's, a, you threw that's, out, that's a mean thing to do to somebody it? who teaches math. No, no, no. <laughs> No me gusta. No yeah. me gusta. No. But, but that's the way our brains naturally work, is you generated a rule and found a rule that would confirm what your rule said. And this is the way all brains work. This is a, a super common thing. And if you want a really, really good video on this, Veritasium did one on, uh, I, I'll leave a link in the description below, where he played that game with a whole bunch of people on the beach, and everybody does the exact same thing. They will say, oh, the numbers must double. They identify that pattern. Right. And then they start proposing those, and they get frustrated at him, keep throwing three numbers that double every time and he keeps saying that matches my rule but no that's not my rule 
And so they to think in that way where you're trying to disprove your hypothesis is not a natural human thing. So anyway, it's a super interesting uh, challenge. Thank you for that playing along with me. That is an interesting <laughs> challenge. Okay. So let's see. Where did we get you? RAS. So retraining this, um, oh, you can right, retrain right. it by your focus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this also can add a, a little bit of a, of a challenge when in the process of healing as well. So um, to think of an, an example, you're familiar with Lord of the Rings, of course. Sure. So keep, think of King Theoden. So he's in this situation. He's the leader. Um, and it's perilous times. They really need him to be able to function, but he can't. He can't think. He's got um, warm tongue giving him stuff. He's under this spell by And Saruman. he looks all old and yeah, decrepit and, whatever. and can't. And then when um, Gandalf comes and tries to help free him, there's like a battle that takes place first. And it's worse than when he was just under a spell. And then he's free. So it gets worse before it gets better. Exactly. And so this is something that's really important to know because when you're in the process of healing, and like we talked about before, hoping to get that little pop of sunshine in, and you're expecting to move progressively towards sunshine, and instead you're feeling worse, it feels really creepy. Like, well, that was dumb. I'm going to quit right now. Yeah, this is going the wrong direction. So part of the reason why that works, again, goes back to that RAS. So you have this function. It's got this template. It's got this pattern that maybe we misunderstand, as you just very eloquently described. And then, um, so I'm trying to put some positive things in there. I want to be happy. I want to say I'm successful. I want to say that I have lots of energy. I want to say all these good things. You want to see evidence of these things as well. my pattern that's going on, my template, my, that my subconscious is saying, no, those are not allowed. They're not allowed. Okay. That does not match my formula that I have going on of what you told me this was important. I'm doing what you told me. I'm miserable. The end. So when you try to say, no, this is what I want. And you try to go around it. It sends off the whole fight or flight system. It turns on all the warnings, all this the is bells, your comfort zone, all kind of, of. The, everything, even beyond that, it, it makes it like you are absolutely literally in danger fighting for your life. It's like smacking into a wall. And the feelings are, 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 um, that the systems in our body that fight or flight versus rest and digest do not distinguish between a real tiger that's chasing you and a perceived threat. They are treated exactly the same. So when you're trying to change something and it sends that full thing of you're in danger, you're going to die. You have to stop. You have to go back. You have to quit. And well, so people that makes stop sense. And they that makes sense because if you're if you were trying to retrain your brain, let's say that you live in the jungle and it, we're talking about actual tigers, not fake tigers, okay, and your 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 RAS system mm-hmm. is telling mm-hmm. you that anything that rustles in the bushes is a tiger and is out to get you. Exactly. If you try you to retrain wait, that, you can't wait to see the tiger. The rustling of the bushes has to be enough to get you out of there. Yeah. It improves your chances. And if of you say, well, and that makes perfect sense. I don't want to live in fear of tigers. So <laughs> I'm going to retrain my well. brain to ignore <laughs> the tigers. Um, th- you would expect and you would hope that your brain would have some resistance to say, no, 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 no. Um, that we want to make it difficult to change your what is relevant system because the consequences if you just start messing about with that is you get eaten. Right. And who wants to get eaten? I don't want to get eaten. (laughs) So when I was going through this process and I hit that wall on day one, day one, where somebody said something, I was was trying to be happy and positive and somebody said something and it felt like I'm going to die. I am now going to die. 
And it's not just the emotional, mental, it is the physical, physiological symptoms. Clammy, like the heart wanting to racing, run fast. The, you know, the shaking, the clammy hands, all of that. And I thought, I'm going to die. I am going to die. But fortunately, I had been warned that this was going to happen and I knew what to do. And the answer is to, um, the, I have an emotional first aid kit, which is basically just emotional tools that give a, an immediate, although temporary, positive effect. And so you really just have to f- right. face it. Mm, um, yeah, a little bit. So it, it, prolonged exposure to this extreme discomfort of I'm going to get eaten by a tiger because you're retraining your system. A little bit, but it's not as much of facing the tiger as it is trying to turn off the fight or flight system and turn it back into the rest and digest and say, oh, okay. that was a false alarm. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. So um, what I did uh, is sing a song. I sang with uh, Shakira's one of her songs from Zootopia. Try Try anything. Right, and so I sang it. Singing it once wasn't enough. Singing it through twice wasn't enough. It took three times before that feeling of panic that I was going to die was able to calm. It's like, I'm going to survive. Do you mind mentioning, like, what was it that triggered this? Uh, Can can you think of a specific example? It was a comment. Just a comment. And what was the comment? The comment was, uh, it was actually something that, that Sarah said. And it was it was just the right words to say, basically, you're a fraud. Everything you're doing is a fraud. Everything is none of this is going to work. Um, you are, you know, you are weak and helpless. And and it wasn't. It, it was like a total mountain out of a molehill. But it was like the perfect combination. Oh, because you're tuned into of, these sorts of things, exactly. you see them even where they aren't. Oh, you're looking for, for sure, Russell for and sure, the bushes. For sure. Uh, I guess so. Can you remember what the comment was? Yeah, I can, but I don't want to go there because that's not important because it's not universally applicable. Okay. Does that make sense? So it was a minor comment which gave, which your reptilian hindbrain was able to say, this is evidence that everything I'm attempting is not going to work. You're mocking me. You're making fun of me. Um, Don't you dare speak up. You have nothing. You are... I mean, it was like... one word and I turned it into this whole whatever because in my brain that is exactly what happened and and speaking because I happen to know Sarah yeah I mean, she, she's a very kind person I oh, can't imagine is. that she's it was a terribly sweet. awful no, no 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 she didn't mean to be horrible it was just one of those things where it was just triggering yeah and and if it hadn't have been that one it would have been something else Sure. I mean, this this whole thing, hitting those walls is inevitable. It is part of the I system. I would suspect that if you were deliberately trying to rewrite this, it would actually become more sensitive it might for be. a time. It, I, I'm sure. Because you're more consciously sure focused is. on what your filtering is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that that's true. I know that the experience was, was very much that way, where it was just, <laughs> yeah, it was like, I, I'm dead. I have to quit right now. Because this, what I'm doing is dangerous. It is dangerous. It is, it is unsafe. It is a lie. All this thing about that you can be happy again, it's a lie. And if you believe these lies, you're going to die. And so it's like, oh. So, but the answer is to sing a song. Oh, I wanted to explain why singing a song even works. So singing, singing and music in general have been scientifically proven to uh, reduce 
depression, anxiety, to help relax muscle tension. It helps to improve mood. Your brain waves actually synchronize somewhat with the rhythm of the music, so you can use it to help calm down or get more energy if you need to. And also there's this, this um, scientists have discovered this little organ in the inner ear called the sacculus, and it is stimulated when we sing, not just listening to music, but when we sing, and it gives an immediate boost of pleasure and tells those chemicals really? to start going. Oh, so, so singing cool. in the car or singing while you're All like, of these things. It's so I, I'm amazing. about all the times where, like, growing up, we would crank up the tunes whenever and it was Saturday chores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because if that's you how sing, you get the cleaning done If you done listen, faster. it's really fun, but if you sing, it yeah. whole, a whole new level. I used to love singing while mowing the lawn because no one had to listen to me. Oh, that's kind of like best. in the shower, only outside. Yes. I mean, it was Disney and Broadway just every time super, I was cruising along cool. with this noisy, awful thing. <laughs> um, nowadays, I use the, the quiet swish, swish, scythe. Yeah, Instead, and, but well, you can still sing while you're doing that. But I can. It's it not takes more confidence. Cover it. Yeah, a little <laughs> more confidence. So speaking of confidence, this this idea of this solution to the that feeling of hitting that wall is so simple. It is so simple, like shockingly simple. But it is so counterintuitive that it takes courage to do it. Courage. So think about you're watching a movie and this monster's coming and they're chasing somebody. What do they do? They never jump out and sing a song. They don't do that. What they do is they hide or they run away or they try to shoot the monster. Fight or flight. That's what you do when you're in danger. And because this, singing would be to say, yeah, it's not sing, irrelevant. Well, yeah, and you sing and all of a sudden the monster finds you and eats you. See, yeah. this is a bad thing. But if you hide or run away, there's a chance that you're going to survive to live another day. And so by singing, you are telling the, you're telling yourself basically this thing is not relevant. Oh, you know what? That is an excellent, excellent a, thought. A way of a way of kind of framing it. it it's a way that's helping me to for sure understand the concept. Yeah, why it would work? Why it, it does? It works. Uh, we they don't did. need we don't need a mechanism. This is this is something that I find uh, very very important in in science. There's a couple different ways to approach it. One is to always try to identify the mechanism by which something would work, and if you can't see a mechanism, then assume it doesn't work. And then there's another approach called phenomenology, where you just say this happened, then this happened. There's a correlation. We have no idea why, but there's a correlation. <laughs> and sometimes, in all honesty, that's as that's far as you as can far go. As you can go. And, and if it works, it works. Right. I mean, you don't need right, more right, than right. that. And especially if you can replicate it, it's super helpful. It's if not like just it happened once, but it, 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 we don't know why it works, but it does. Yeah. And you can do it all the time. That's super cool. And and you can replicate it. And so we've got, you know, we've got past right. that part of the scientific method. But Oh, and there was, yeah. there was a, a study done, you know, double-blind group, control group in your group, where they took people who were struggling with depression, anxiety, and the control group, they just, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing. And the other group, they had them, all they did was said, we're going to have you add singing to your daily routine. That's it. 30 days later, they checked. The group that did the singing had significantly lower levels of anxiety and depression, and they didn't do anything else but sing. That's awesome. I know. It's super cool. So the answers and the solutions are actually quite simple, but it takes courage to do them and you have to do them consistently. And one of the things that I have on my, um, the, the nonprofit, the hope for healing is I don't just want to be a cheerleader and say, come on, you can do it. Be because happy. Because that's so unhelpful to say it's all in your head. <laughs> therefore just choose no, out instantly. No. That's not how it works. It's more of a coaching thing. This is what to do. This is when to do it. This is why it works. So if you 
trust me and one super thing or one thing that's super important in in any therapy or any treatment is what they call positive expectancy that's what the researchers call it and that is you believe that it's going to work yeah and if you don't believe it's going to work then you don't put any effort to do it right okay yeah and, that makes perfect sense like right. uh, I, I i tried an experiment earlier my gosh when was this i think it was last year where i uh I didn't actually believe that stretching would make me more flexible. Right. Like on some level that just, I was like, sure, they say that. <laughs> but it's not going to work for this guy because yeah, I, I am think the most inflexible person, person on the planet. I felt that on some aspect. Particularly with self-improvement in general. I mean, working out. Is working out actually going to make me more fit and healthy and, and strong? I mean, they right. say that. I know. But those days. But but actually doing it, I mean, I, I tried it once and it didn't work, so I'm not doing it again. Right. Um, so I, I tried stretching for an entire month and was I able to do a full split afterwards? No, but I broke 90 degrees, which was a milestone <laughs> for me. Um, Flexibility is not your thing. It's not mine either, actually. <laughs> Sorry, genetics. That's how that works. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, that idea of trying something and having it not work, that also plays back into this. Because, because it remember, confirms the idea you that are, you can't. If you try something, like I'm going to try one of these whatever wellness tool thingies and see if that will help me be happy. And then the response is hitting that wall. Mm -hmm. Then you can think, oh, well, it didn't work. I'm not doing that again. In fact, it made it worse. But if you understand what is happening why it's happening and are dedicated and to one what thing to do about it then these walls are just hurdles to jump over instead of prison bars i'd, I'd like to use an analogy which to, to that to that experience when when i taught martial arts um, i taught taekwondo for a couple of years when i graduated from high school and um there, there was a particular class of person that I would see pretty often who believed that to become a very competent martial artist, all they had to do was take a two-week refresher course in a bunch of different martial arts. Like everybody who's ever seen a movie. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I, I want to become a uh, MMA fighter, mixed martial arts, which means I need to have a couple of martial arts to mix from. So I'm going to take <laughs> a little a little snippet of Taekwondo to learn some kicks. I'm going to take a little snippet of, oh, let, let's focus a little longer on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because that's the good stuff. And then two weeks in this and two weeks in this and two weeks in this. And the this constant little sampling, just <laughs> tasting, although you don't want to be too deadly in the ring because this is competition after oh, all. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, the difference in competence for somebody who was just going to dedicate to one thing and just study, say, Taekwondo for seven or eight years and really master fundamentals, master the way you stand and the way you move and the way that you respond to what the other guy is doing, where you're just focusing on the really simple stuff. And sure, when you consider the art as a whole, maybe there are um, typical deficiencies and typical strengths that you see, but you're going to get way further by focusing on one thing and really mastering it than you are by learning all the fancy stuff for two-week refresher courses. So It has a lot to do with self-discipline and, and consistency. And the same thing is true, again, with Excuse this me. process of trying to heal. It, it's not like flipping on a light switch. It is like a sunrise. It is gradual. And as it takes self-discipline, especially if you're struggling with motivation, to just, you know, I don't want to do it, do it anyway. And and then the results will come. Could you, could you talk a little bit more about that? Because um, so mm -hmm. let's say that you're in the pit, um, that do it anyway concept, I would describe as courage. Mm -hmm. And 
that that I, I would say is one of your strongest virtues is that you have the ability to do it anyway. I mean, even when you don't want to do things, you do them. Um, when you don't want to get out of the bed in the morning, you get out. When you don't want to serve someone, you serve anyway. I mean, your ability to to decide and and through self discipline just choose what you're going to do and just do it despite what you're feeling is amazing and it's something that I look Thank up you. to. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. I mean, you're a parent and you have sick kids and you may not want to clean up barf or poop or whatever you got to deal with. You do it anyway. You have the skills. We all have the skills. I mean, we, people go to work when they don't really want to. People go to school when they don't really want to. We do things. But the, the tricky part is a lot of those things that we do are from an external uh, source, kind of like somebody made me. I went to work because I had to. I did this because I had to. But if you if can have that me. same kind of, of, of respect for yourself and you all honor and obey yourself, like I choose to do this. So I'm going to do it. And then you can. You have the power. A lot of it is honoring yourself. There's, the, there's a book by Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life. And rule number two is treat yourself as if you were someone you were responsible for. And, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and he, he talks about a study. There's been studies done that show that people will, if their dog is prescribed a medication, they will religiously give the dog the medication at the time that it's supposed to in the proper mm -hmm. dosage. Mm -hmm. But if, say, the same people have, I don't know, a kidney transplant and need to take um, medication to suppress anti their immune systems, anti-rejection medication, um, the, the likelihood that they will take care of themselves is less than if they're taking care of their pets. Isn't that fascinating? They don't treat themselves <laughs> like someone they are responsible for. But clearly they can do it because they can take care of their dog. But mm -hmm. taking care of yourself is actually in some sense, more difficult, or at least that's that's what the, the you know what we see in the studies. Yeah, I actually was listening to a, a lecture by a professor at William and Mary College, and he was talking about a little bit about what you're explaining here. And he said sometimes, in order to kind of outsmart yourself, is to, I mean, treat yourself as if you are in the third person. Like, don't say, I should do this and I, whatever, but say, okay, you should do this or Linda should do this and actually use those words and it helps your brain make that shift just a little bit. And the research shows that it actually makes a difference. People are more likely to follow through. <laughs> when if So if you're having a hard time obeying yourself, pretend that it's someone that you're taking care of. It's like, okay, I care about this person, and I want them to be happy. I want them to be healthy. I want them to be successful. Okay, so in order to do that, you need to do ABC. All right, so you do ABC. Oh, that's me too. And then you just you get a twofer out of the deal. That's amazing. I know. It was fascinating. And so funny. Like, I know. It shouldn't take that, but it, it, apparently it does. It Sometimes it does. If, if it takes a little trick to make things work, use the tricks. Yeah. Hey, if the trick works. Absolutely. Absolutely. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Gosh, that's amazing. Cool. Okay, so re retraining the brain. So we, we've talked a little bit about re getting the chemicals in order, and then you've got the RAS mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. And then in this RAS system, things like singing when when you're triggered and feel like you're going to die because right. you've been stepping outside of this comfort zone and you've got this, um, this input coming in that has now triggered your 
oh, oh my gosh, I'm never going to make it. Right. Center. Turns on that fight um, flight, so we need to turn it back off. Relax. Pause one thing that I'm off. wondering about there is that I, I associate that with a rise in negative emotion, like, like feelings of dread and terror and awfulness. What do you do about the numbness that comes chemical. with depression? That's the chemical change. So that, that one's separate. So that's, that's the nope. chemical change we're you, fixing. You get early. a twofer. The Work things that work, the you, you do them both. Okay. So when you, so the singing example that mm-hmm. helped turn off the fight or flight, it helped put me back so that I didn't feel like I was going to die. It also changes Boosts the chemicals in the in the brain. So it's it's changing things. It's not only helping the 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 mental feelings of terror, but it's actually changing the chemicals that are producing those feelings of terror. So you're resetting both at the same time. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I, I'm, not, I'm separating thing, these in my head too much. Yeah, just relax. Put them together. Put them together. Okay. They are both important, but it's not, but the thought process. So you can't just, you know, I'm going to stand and do my smile for 90 seconds, and then I'm going to say all day long, I'm a miserable, I'm a failure, I'm a da-da-da-da. we got to work on the self-talk too. Okay. Okay. The self-talk is not a chemical thing. But it does train the focus of the RES. So it is our actions, but also our thoughts and our words. They make a huge difference. So, and then that 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 fight or flight when when stuff happens and those walls you hit, while you're trying to change the RES from we are on a setting of we must be miserable all the time to no, we want to be happy and have energy and feel great. Once the RES changes, then you, you don't hit walls all the time. That that process of changing and running into walls is temporary, but it's also inevitable. Okay. So if you hit a wall and you quit and give up and say, whoa, I'm out. This is way too hard and awful. The wall gets stronger and it's harder to get through. But if you work your way through the wall, you get stronger. And it's like, I can do this. So next time and you work your way through. But it's it's really cool. Yeah. Part of it is the belief that you can get through the wall, and if you have, then, I mean, there's the evidence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. That is so cool. So, what 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 else about your experience would you like to share at this point to kind of kind of round out this this process? I mean, there, there's kind of two stories here. One of them is what worked for you, and the other is these principles that you've pulled out of that that you're hoping will help others. Right. And what what else would you like to share about those? Hmm. Let's see. Um, I would like to say healing is absolutely possible. It is possible. It worked for me, not because I'm special, and not because I'm lucky, but because it follows scientific principles that are reasonable, and they work with your body and your mind. What worked for me will work for anybody. Worth a try. Absolutely. Thank you. That is tremendously cool. That really is cool. Gosh. Um, I'm, I'm interested in this uh, pay it forward model that, that, you're, that you want to, that the first thought once you get out of the pit is, I, I want so badly for this to be shareable. I want to be able to do good with it. And that, that I think is, uh, I think it probably also makes you happier. Am I right? Oh, for sure. I think in service of any kind, any time that you get outside of yourself is super helpful. Yeah. To be able to. The key to happiness is to be a helpful person and to be of service. Yeah. And to want to make a difference. It yeah. is good. Those are natural tendencies. It is a good thing.
Well, thank you so much. I am really, really grateful to call you mom. Oh, and I'm you. grateful to have you on the podcast and, and to be able to share some of this experience. I hope that this has been helpful to at least some of you. I hope so, too. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.